last thing is just being a good communicator. That's such an important part too. And uh, one of the John Gordon books, like Doc Rivers was quoted in there, you know, it's being one of the best player coaches and good communicators. And they asked Doc, like, what he could do to be a better coach. He said, be a better communicator. <laughs> so this guy's already really good at it. And he knows that's the most important thing. And so, you know, I want to be as open at, at all times with my guys, you know, with their roles, where they stand. Let's start with the circle now every single year in this program and how you're going to get in the circle. Like, I'm already there. You know, I'm going to be honest with you, but how are you going to be honest with me? You know, are you going to do all the workouts? Are you going to be accountable? Are you going to get after it on and off the field? And then if you do, you'll be in that circle of trust. It's all about the relationships. Love it. And that's not even a debate for me. That's why I got into coaching. You know, I'm not trying to be their friend. You know, mm -hmm. I want them to know I care about them and I love them and I do anything for them. But if we end up being friends in the end, that's great. That's not the goal. You know, my goal is to, to help them become better people, to prepare them for the next step of their life. You're dialed in to the ABCA's Calls from the Clubhouse podcast, connecting our coaches with some of the best baseball minds in our game. Now here's your host, Jeremy Sheetinger. The question is, can we get your speakers to an 11? Turn it up as we are broadcasting from the ABCA National Office here in Greensboro, North Carolina. Welcome back or welcome to our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. We are your baseball coaching source for certified audio gold and the place where you come to connect with the very best baseball minds in our game. Another dynamite episode on deck for our loyal community of learners, and that's why we are all here to challenge ourselves to grow and develop to digest yet another tremendous conversation with an elite coach and learn through their experience, find the better way, the better word, the better thought that gets us all where we want to be. So thanks for dialing in with us. After the show, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on all of your devices. Take a few minutes, leave us a review and a rating to help more folks find this show. And please share the podcast link with your friends, your players, the parents in your program. Send some tweets out. Let your followers know you're working hard to get better as a coach. Connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Find us at ABCA1945. We have over 11,000 members right now around the world that are inside of our fraternity, and we'd love to have each and every one of you join us. Head over to our website, abca.org, for more information on what we offer back to our coaches. And for the visual learners out there, we have a few stops for you. Convention videos are all over our website, abcavideos.org. Hundreds of those across all facets of the game, plus our revamped YouTube channel. Find it at youtube.com slash abca1945. More videos are waiting for you on there with much more in the works. And if I can help you out in any way, please never hesitate to reach out to me directly at CoachSheets3 on Twitter and Instagram or by email sheets s-h-e-e-t-s at abca.org now let me hit you with a few shout outs from last week always love getting notes and messages tweets from our listeners and the first goes out to ryan reisdorf an assistant for the titans 260 group in indiana he dove into the podcast he felt the tug and he jumped inside the fraternity and became an abca member it's an honor to serve you ryan thanks so much and welcome to the big show my friend Nick Stuttered from St. Emmett High School in Louisiana with the dashboard view dialing in. We appreciate that, Nick. Sean Thompson out in Washington doing a little grilling and listening. I love that, Tomps. Coach Briley in Kansas earning his degree in mowing universities, watching corn grow out there. Appreciate that, Coach. And Ryan Alexander from Ohio was working the wheel while his kids slept, but he was getting better. Love that, Ryan. And my guy, Kyle Watson in Texas, wearing out Interstate 35 University, heading down to the coast, but still making time to listen in. Much love, guys. We appreciate the commitment to the show and to being a lifelong learner. Keep it up. And if you didn't hear your name called, then I'm asking you, why haven't you tweeted at us yet? 
It's an instant retweet, but let us know where you are dialing in, how the info is hitting you, and we hope that you hear your name called on here real soon. Thanks, guys. Huge thanks to our great friends and longtime ABCA partners over at Rawlings and the new Quattro Pro Batline. And just so you know, this is a collision of their very best technologies. And what you'll find in there is a combination of a newly constructed inner barrel, which offers a larger sweet spot, we all love that, plus a faster, more balanced swing while eliminating barrel drag through the zone. And that's thanks to the stiffer focus flex from the redesigned collar assembly. You can find these available in multiple weights and links, and you can check out the all-new Quattro Pro Bat and check out their entire product line on their website, Rawlings.com. That's Rawlings, R-A-W-L-I-N-G-S.com. We hope to see you join Team Rawlings today. As many of you know, junior college baseball is such a special level inside of the game, provides opportunity and development for so many players, but it's also packed with exceptional teachers and coaches who see the bigger picture for their guys, and this week's guest fits that mold. Steve Deniman, head coach at Sinclair Community College in Ohio, joins our show, and we get to unpack the special program he has built there in Southwest Ohio, the ins and outs of his growth as a leader and a communicator, the specifics of how he has built his coaching staff, selects the right kids to join him in the dugout, and also how success seems to keep finding his program. Inside this episode, Dents lays out his thoughts and ideas that guide his interactions with the players. He's very transparent on campus and even more so over the airwaves, but it keeps coming back to the common theme inside our podcast. The best of the best are not wrapped up into wins and losses. It's all about relationships. It's about growing up young men and women. It's about molding a better person above all. And Steve definitely has a seat at that table. So pull up a bucket with us. We head over to Dayton, Ohio to connect with Sinclair Community College head coach Steve Deniman as he is our guest on this week's Dugout Chatter episode. So get ready, coaches. This great show is coming at you right now. Coaches, thanks for dialing into our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast, heading back into the JUCO ranks. I think is one of the best coaches on that level. Fantastic teacher, communicator. I'm excited to welcome in Steve Deniman, the head coach at Sinclair Community College in Ohio. Dents, thanks for jumping on the call with us, my friend. Thanks for having me, Sheets. I appreciate it. We're excited to have you. We're going to get into this entire conversation. There's so much to to really unpack inside your career, certainly the success you guys have had there at Sinclair, but there's a lot of details inside of it. And working together on this, I know you've got some, some touch points as well. Let's start with ABCA. It's a great tee-up. Talk about our association, what it's meant to you. Uh, certainly, you're an avid podcast listener, convention goer. Just take us through all the different elements of the association. Well, my ABCA experiences, you know, I didn't know what the ABCA was until um, probably 2005. Okay. I, I finished my playing career at Sinclair. I was in my third year as assistant coach at Sinclair, and I kind of just Googled and, and found it. Hmm. And I ended up signing up for the Chicago Convention. Um, wow. That's where I saw Ken Revisa speak. Mm hmm. Who changed my life forever? You know, it was wow. uh, it was eye opening experience. Uh, that was my first um, getting the uh, introduction to the mental game, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And I was like, where was this when I was a player? So <laughs> sure. I remember being a kid in a candy store. You know, as far as just sitting there taking notes at the convention, I, I saw every speaker. I didn't miss anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, I took more notes in one convention than probably my entire college career. Um, as a student, <laughs> sure. uh, and it just it was just an unbelievable experience. And so the convention, the ABCA, is just a part of my life. Um, you know, coaches will say sometimes it's the Christmas for baseball coaches, and it truly is. You know, we plan our our holiday around you know mm -hmm. Christmas, usually in Florida with my family and my my wife's father, and then uh, 
you know, being able to go to the ABCA, wherever it's going to be at. And I think since that time, I only missed a couple. You know, I missed mm-hmm. some in California back in my early days when I couldn't afford to go out there. Yeah. Uh, I missed the one from the birth of my daughter, which mm-hmm. I was still trying to go to. And luckily, I didn't go. <laughs> she was a January <laughs> first, January first baby. Yeah, but you know, I've done whatever it took before. I've slept on floors, four to five in a room. Mm-hmm. Um, stayed with Max's girlfriend, which I don't recommend doing that, but kind of, <laughs> kind of whatever it takes to get there and, and be there. And, and it's just, that's a great experience for, for everyone. If you want to be, you know, the best coach you can be, you have to be a member, you have to attend. And, and it's just been such a fun time watching the ABCA even grow from when I started in 2005 to where it is now. And a lot of that credit is to you. Well, our team has done a fantastic job building this thing up. I got to go two episodes in a row. We've given fantastic feedback. One is from Tyler Gillum last week's episode. Sell your computer, sell your car, sell whatever you have to to get there. <laughs> and then dance dropping. Just don't don't stay with your ex-girlfriend. So there's a lot of yeah. a lot of fantastic info getting dropped in that one. Sure. You know that show like Blind Date they used to do? Sure. It was like a, it was like a blind date episode that never ended. Um, <laughs> just staying with her. And yeah. it was really rough, even though we knew each other and stuff. But yeah, sure. I, I ended up sleeping on a floor on the outside of a hotel room, oh, um, and so it just just made it work. I yeah. still remember going down to the. And this is probably an embarrassing thing. I remember getting up really early because I didn't sleep the night before. It wasn't that I went out and had too much fun. I was I was there for the right reasons, mm. but I remember getting in the convention area by myself, maybe six six thirty, just no one around, and in comes Paul Maneri, and he looks at me and says, uh, "Tough night," and I'm just like, <laughs> "Oh, that's that's." It's Paul Maneri. Paul Maneri. Yeah. Um, yeah, cool, awesome. But no, it's you know, it's whatever it takes. And again, once you go there, you're hooked forever. And yeah. I always try to encourage as many people as I can to attend the convention and as many people as I can to join the association because of what it's meant to me in my career. There's no doubt. Well, you're a proud supporter, loyal member. Um, you know, Nashville's gonna be just absolutely insane. We're excited as we're starting to build here in the national office for that and getting our ducks in a row to welcome hopefully seven thousand coaches there with us in Nash Vegas. But now take us through your career path because I think this is so interesting. I think the the perspective gets gets jaded a little bit because you became a head coach so early. And I know I've sure. talked with you mentioned a Paul Maneri who didn't spend nearly any time being an assistant coach, and so it kind of it kind of changes the way that you view things because you learn really early how to manage the entire process. So just take us to your career path, and we'll, we'll start it from there. Absolutely. Yeah, I had some great coaches growing up, like you know, pretty much everyone that's been on these podcasts had. I had some mm-hmm. great mentors. Um, pretty average player. I went to uh, St. Dominic High School in, in St. Charles, Missouri area. Okay. Played for a great man in Steve Fun. Um, went to a prospect camp for Coach Tony Vittoria at University of Dayton. And, you know, it's my, it was my first experience in, in going to those prospect camps. It was back when the camps were just for specific schools and didn't have you know tons of people there. But you know, I remember being really nervous in those camps, my first time performing, and I knew my strengths as a player. You know, I could hit a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, wasn't the best defender, didn't have the best arm. So I remember hiding, hiding at first base and just you know, got my workout done, and I felt so good about it, and it was over with, and, and that was great. And then I remember a player coming over to me at this camp and saying, hey, have you ever pitched before? And, mm. and I'm 6'4". I weighed about probably buck sixty back then. Uh, the good old days. And I remember like, <laughs> sure. no, you know, it's been since Little League and I don't think I can do it. And like, came back, said they really want to see a pitch. And I was like, no, sure, why not? And so I went back in the back and I warmed up with the pitchers. And here I thought my day was over at the camp and I was pretty proud of my performance. And now I'm playing catch, ends up being with uh, big leaguer Justin Masterson. Wow. Um, we're, play- we're playing catch. He's a junior. I'm a senior. And, and he's I'm asking him how I should stand, or I should do a wind-up, stretch, what should I do, and he's throwing BBs, and 
you know, ended up going out there and, you know, he's just throwing darts, you know, upper eights, touching 90s. I might have hit 81 maybe, sure. the first pitch. Um, and then it was all over the place. Like I hit the bull, like I was left, right, up, <laughs> down. And I remember just having this, I was the last one to go to. I just kept staying out there and throwing. I'm like, why are they making me do this? Like, don't they see how bad I am? And the guy that ended up asking to see me pitch was my future college coach and Mike Goldschmidt. So, wow. and, and Goldie was a head coach of Sinclair and, and he's the one, or coach Vittorio is the one that guided me the junior college route. You know, I knew nothing about the process, nothing about junior college baseball. Hmm. Um, and he led me over to, to Mike and to play at Sinclair for a couple of years, uh, two solid, uh, you know, seasons there is mm-hmm. as a mini career as you would call it. But for me, you know, I knew I wanted to be a coach, yeah. you know, coaching was something I wanted to do. And uh, I was very fortunate that Goldie gave me the opportunity to stay on his staff while I was finishing my undergrad at university of Dayton. And then after three years of coaching there, I was kind of the right man, right spot. You know, I was 23 years old. Um, Mike just accepted a job to be head coach at Urbana University. And then I was able to step in there and take over. So, you know, now I'm the old coach at 35. I've been there for a long time, but yeah. it's, 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 been a, it's been a great run at Sinclair for sure. Do you think anyone would ever say at 35 you're a crusty veteran? Jeez, you know, I'll tell you what. But, yeah, <laughs> once you're in that, that main seat, yes. there's a lot, a lot of responsibilities. And, and we do a lot, obviously, for our guys. And so yeah. – um, but I've learned a lot, as anyone has, you yeah. know, from the first couple of years. And you kind of feel bad sometimes for the guys the first couple of years of what you know now and, and what you could have taught them. But, you know, I have some really good relationships with some of those guys, too. And that's you know, the most important thing. Can you go into that? Because, you know, that's like my, my sweet spot when we talk about the the sure. look back, the glance at who we were at 23, because we do have so many young coaches that are listening to this. And it, it's tough. You can't give them the pill and give them the experience and give them the knowledge that they need to have. They got to go through it. They're going to fall down, but it, it's just the reflection point for you. What do you see those first few years as a head coach that have certainly changed now at 34, 35 years old? Sure. Yeah, I was, you know, I was about as prepared as I thought I could be, you know, having three years assistant coach. I don't think I would have been as prepared if I would have played two more years and finished my four year, you know, career okay. at some of their school. Uh, but just coaching for a couple of years assistant, I kind of knew what was going on. But yeah, until you're in that hot seat, it's just a different experience. And so I think that. You know, just learning on the fly, you know, surrounding yourself with, with good people. Um, some mentors in the area really helped me with my career mm-hmm. and just trying to get better. You know, always, you know, I think it was interesting for us. Our first year was okay, um, 2008. You know, we ended up going to the regional tournament, but in 09, we made it to the regional final, which is the farthest Sinclair's ever gone. Mm. And so four straight years of success, and, and we're thinking this is easy. Like, we're doing such a great job, <laughs> and we're really, we're, we're really good. Like, yeah. pat ourselves on the bat, right? Mm-hmm. And then, um, <laughs> 2013 happened and we had a returning we returned eight starters which doesn't happen a lot at our level with guys leaving so quickly yeah but it was a great squad a good team and and we failed you know we mm. we fell apart at the end we had to win one game out of four and we we lost all four and got swept first time we lost a conference series in my tenure or got swept excuse me and so wow. uh, it was an eye-opening experience for us and, and we always talk about how you know as far as you know when you lose or you know learning from your failures I thought that failure is positive feedback, and that really helped us get to the next level, that 2013 team. You know, from that 2013 team and losing, we we dedicated ourselves to doing things differently. We changed things up. We tried to find new ways to be better, and we went on winning, you know, the second most games in the country since that time mm-hmm. behind LSU Eunice at our level. And I think that even that 13 team, you know, with the injuries and different things that happened and, and you know, we look back, it wasn't success. That's like the most connected team in my tenure at Sinclair. Wow. There's so many really good guys, and they come back to everything, our golf outing, our alumni softball event. So just a great group of guys that we just couldn't put it together. 
And I think that even some of the dumb stuff I did back then when we were struggling to try to figure it out, you know, and, and people say this in the podcast all the time, just be yourself. Yeah. I remember in that that series, we had win one game on the road, and we lost the first day, and, and I went out there and, and gave a speech. It wasn't me, and it wasn't even close to what I would – I basically took Augie Greedo's speech <laughs> and just just translated it. Like, yep. I, failed, I, I failed them, and yep. I thought that would work, and it mm-hmm. didn't. <laughs> and uh, it just – it was a, it was a very – eye-opening experience and we had to do things a little differently and i think we have so it definitely 2013 was a turning point i think in my career as a coach and then our uh, you know as our program has grown so it's funny because you know i knew we were brothers from another mother before we started this but um i too have given that speech in the same spirit and same vein and i don't think it landed <laughs> no no I, th- I thought it was the one i, I walked off and <laughs> it, I, I didn't look i didn't look back and see what the, they were gonna think and see and and it just didn't work out yeah we, so we got we lost one nothing the last game got a guy thrown out the plate in the sack flight in the game and you know that was our street we had four straight years of conference championships that broke the streak so, wow. but what a great group of guys. And, you know, they taught me a lot and have helped us again, grow the programs where we're at. Don't you think a piece of that dense and I know I'm getting off, off topic here, but don't you think a piece of that is it comes back to modeling. I've talked with a lot of coaches about this. You, you look around for people to model when you're still trying to figure out maybe what your voice is or what your style is going to be. And you get for me, I know, and you may agree or disagree. I feel like I got further and further away from who I was. Because I was looking at different people going, I want to take a little bit of that and a little bit of this. And I like the way he said that. And I love the way, you know, watch that Augie DVD and you just pulled every single nugget. And you're like, for one day, I'm dropping that on somebody. And you get further and further away from your true voice or, or even sometimes your true emotions. Do you, you feel that way? Like maybe early in your yeah. career? No, it's definitely a part of it. Yeah. I mean, you're trying to gain experiences and, and do different things and find out what works for you. And yeah. a lot of times when we talk about our program, having inexpensive experiences, learning from other people, hmm. uh, that obviously helps you as a coach, but yeah, there's no question. There's, there's things that we've done or have you know thought about doing that have worked and some haven't. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's just a lot of trial and error in those first years. And even now, you know, as an established coach and 12 years in going on my 13th season as head coach of Sinclair, there's still things I'm going to mess up on and, and not get, but I think we have a pretty good grasp of who we are as a program and what the expectations are. And, you know, we're able to recruit some really good players here, which is awesome. Well, it's obvious. You're talking about over 12 seasons. You guys have won nine conference titles. You've averaged 40 wins a season. you got two World Series appearances there in Enid. Um, there's, there's some proof in the pudding, and certainly you guys have done a fantastic job. I know you from the recruiting trails uh, as a program. You always want to try to get a Sinclair kid. You always want to try to get a guy that's going to be well-coached. He's going to understand the game. He's certainly going to come in and help you compete right away. I know we were trying to set this up a couple weeks ago and you were heading out for USA baseball. And I know uh, I want to tee you up for this in terms of its impact yeah. on you. Um, and I wasn't going to throw even more on your desk for that. For, we just pushed <laughs> it back a couple weeks. It couldn't have worked out any better. Um, sure. But take us into USA baseball. Let us know uh, how that's worked for you the last four times you've gone out there. Absolutely. Yeah, I was uh, did a task force out there in the West Championships out in Arizona. My first time in the state of Arizona, which is quickly mm. becoming my favorite state ever. <laughs> okay. um, as a baseball guy, if you haven't been out there before, it, it's just unbelievable. I mean, within mm. a 40 minute radius, maybe there's 15 spring training sites at least. And so we're going from complex to complex, seeing some great baseball. But uh, really, just anything I've done with USA Baseball has been one of the greatest honors for me as a coach. Mm. And it's such a great opportunity. And uh, the people I've met along the way are just some of the best people, not just coaches, but best people you'll meet in your lifetime. You know, I think from every single task force I've done, just the people I've been able to encounter, I'm just very lucky that, that I was able to do those things. And I think everyone that gets involved with USA Baseball, I think that if you asked 
every coach at the ABCA convention, all seven, 8,000 people who'd want to work for USA baseball, every single hand would go up Everyone, and, and, and we all can't. And, and I think that it, everyone has a story, a person to help them get involved. And for me, you know, I was lucky enough that Rob Cooper is a friend of mine, head coach at Penn state. And I do thank Coop every time, every time I'm in an event, I thank him. Um, and so it's just something where, you know, knowing the right people, being a good person, those are two things that have helped me get involved with USA baseball, but it's just a tremendous honor. And I really feel very, very proud that I'm able to be a part of it. It's outstanding. Well, you know, we get you on here and I always tell our guys, Hey, I'm going to do my best to maybe tee you up for, you would call it a shameless plug. I'm just saying it's a recruiting pitch. Okay. So sure. here we go. Let's take us through Sinclair, take us through what's going on there. I went through the success, but certainly if you want to expand upon, but I think also a key caveat to that question is what are you looking for in players in terms of what fits the style of play that Sinclair is known for. And if you're listening, they go, man, that might be a dude I want to go play for. What do you got? Yeah. No, this is Sinclair is one of the best community colleges in the country. Uh, there's no question about it, in my opinion. And we're in downtown Dayton, Ohio, mm-hmm. which is a college town. We're about three miles from University of Dayton, about 10, 15 minutes from Wright State University. So we're surrounded by some schools there. The school itself is Leaf for Innovations, which is made up of some of the top community colleges in the country. From the academic side, um, our leadership is fantastic. President Steve Johnson, um, you know, great faculty and staff. We have 20,000 people uh, that go to school at Sinclair, some regional campuses. It has a real-life college feel to it. And I know sometimes when I'm recruiting guys, you know, that's, that's kind of what they're looking for. Everyone's different mm-hmm. in the recruiting process and what they're looking for. But as far as junior colleges go, you know, some like having a junior college. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. They're just baseball in school, and that's fine. You know, that's what they want to do in their experience. But someone to have that college campus experience, and, and there's no better experience than living in a, a college town surrounded by colleges. So uh, <laughs> our facilities are second to none. Our indoor field house is, is awesome. It's able to long toss. We play live games in there in January, which really helps us prepare to go down south and play some teams. And we've been very fortunate to not go to just go down south, but to win some series and and play against some really good competition in February. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Athletes in Action. It's been our home field for this yeah. will be our 11th season now. Mm-hmm. So um, we're very fortunate they built their headquarters in Xenia, Ohio, um, worldwide. And we became partners with them after the 2009 season. And it's just a f- f- first-class facility. It's all field turf. Um, and we just really enjoy being out there. They treat us really well. Uh, there is talks about possibly building a field downtown. A West Campus oh. facility, which is yeah, which has grown a lot, and I think that's made a lot of traction the last couple of years. It's part of the master plan of the college, but I think that would be another really nice thing to to add to the program. But mm-hmm. you know, really, there's not much to complain about for for me at Sinclair. It's just a great place to be, and I think the the biggest thing, and everyone has parts of their job that are tougher, but you know, we only have five full ride scholarships in state, mm-hmm. um, and we go against teams that have 24 or have out of state waivers on the national level. And yeah. so we really got to, we have to find the right guy. You know, we have to be able to, uh, you know, evaluate talent and find the guys that fit what we're trying to do. Um, but this is a great place to be too, because there's so many opportunities in Southwest Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at NAI division three, division two, uh, division one, we have 24 division one schools in a three hour radius. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Welcome to Ohio. You know, I know. It's it's insane. I mean, places like Zona, where I just was, you know, there's three in the whole state. And wow. three that recruit nationally. And that's why some of the junior colleges are so good down there, because there's no place for kids to go. Yeah. And here, sometimes it gets a little watered down, but we're able to recently get some really good classes in here and, you know, help develop players. And that's why we've had so many players play at the highest levels. You know, I've had 26 players move on to Division One programs the last couple of years. And that's not an accident. They're good players. Maybe they're just missing something on or off the field, and, and they spend their time here trying to get better, and obviously they have. So 
Um, but as far as what we're looking for, you know, we want to see guys, we want to recruit guys that not who they are right now, but what they'll become. Mm-hmm. You know, we look for guys that have tools like anyone else, guys that we project to be the highest, play the highest level college of baseball. You know, if we're recruiting you early, it's we think you can be a division one player someday. Um, and just, you know, we hope to be a small part of that, you know, and sometimes it's, it's one year. Uh, we had three freshmen that were one and done this year, and that's a part of it. You know, we tell guys we're a part of the process. Um, we're not the destination. We're just part of the journey. Mm-hmm. And so we'll have guys that will commit to us in this next recruiting class right now that will never step foot on campus. You know, we'll get that offer and go, and, and sometimes it works out. We've had guys that become freshman All-Americans at Division One schools, and then sometimes they're back in one year. But just want to help them achieve their goals. Um, and again, you know, just as far as trying to find the best players we can. So. What separates player from player when you're out there on the trails? In terms of if you sure. dive into two different players, what, what might separate them for you? and what, what fits your sweet spot? Well, I love guys that play the game the right way. Yeah. There's no question that there's a certain way the game should be played. And when guys do it the right way, they stand out in a positive way. And I, mm-hmm. you know, we're trying to send our guys to four-year schools as well. So we're trying to teach our guys the same thing that the high school and the summer coaches teaching them that you, know, you need to play this game at one speed. And that's you know all-out hustle. And, you know, I... <laughs> I do want to remind people the, the the whole like you know the water hose the Gatorade from mom and dad you know those things those tweets bother me they do um, because people don't know what they don't know you mm-hmm. got to teach them sometimes mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. I mean that we all expect these kids to have great mentors and people in their life and that's just not a fair thing to do I mean those tweets about I'm not recruiting a guy that gets his Gatorade from his mom in the stands well if that guy throws ninety four you better yeah you know and then you need to teach you teach them up but. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. got to give these kids an idea of what's going on. They don't know what they don't know. And, um, you know, at Sinclair, you know, we're going to have respect for our teammates, opponents, and umpires. It's in our philosophy. We, we only worry about what we do, not to their team. So we always focus on us. You're never going to hear stuff from our dugout talking about other people's teams and running our mouth. And we have guys, believe me, we have guys like anyone else. That if I let them go, they would be all over the other team. They'd be all mm-hmm. over them talking trash. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what they've been used to their whole life. And that's not us. You know, it's all only going to be about us the whole time. You know, play against the ball, face his opponent. Um, we're always above the line. No shortcuts. Don't cheat. And, they, and I tell guys all the time, your greatest competition is, is you. You know, I remember one one year, our first team meeting, everyone had a mirror under their desk. And, just, you know, there it is right there. That's the guy you're trying to beat, not the guy next to you, but yourself. How good can you be? Oh, that's good. Um, and anyone that comes to our program, the, the three things that they have to commit to is one, they have to be as, they want to be as good as they can be on off the field. You know, we don't want players to talk about playing in Ohio State or professional baseball, but guys have action to back it up. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be degree-seeking. Uh, academics are important here for us, and we've turned down some good players that thought they could just kind of come here and float around and transfer bogus classes. It isn't going to happen here. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had a 100% grad rate the last three years. Last year was 21 for 21. Um, ABCA academic all-American team for four straight years. That's right. Now, if you're here, for, if you're here, yes, sir, just <laughs> submit it again. If you're here for two years, you will get a degree. And, you know, it's one of those things where, and we're very proud of that in the academic side. And then the last piece is good being good in the community. You know, we want good people that, that want to give them opportunities to serve other people. And, um, those are the three C's of athletic program anyways, competition, um, community and classroom. That's what Sinclair stands for in our athletic program. But when guys commit to that, good things happen. And we just had some really good players and some good people in our program during our tenure. So fantastic. Well, let me ask you this. Why do you think you guys have really ran into a lot of success on the baseball field? If you had to really boil it down yeah. to why that happens, what do you think that is? 
Well, I think it starts with having the staff that we do. Okay. You know, we have, we have guys that are committed to this program and helping players get better and, and their mainstays. You know, they have their own careers and Sinclair baseball is their side job. So they do for fun. Mm. Uh, um, they're also lifelong learners. But, you know, a lot of times, as you know, the smaller level schools, the junior college, it's, it's everyone climbing up the ladder, trying oh, to yeah. find new jobs, trying to support their families, trying mm-hmm. to support themselves. And, you know, we did it for the first eight years so with $2,400 total for assistant coaches. Oh, yeah. Been um, there. And, and so, yeah. And so we, we just found the right people. And, mm-hmm. you know, it starts with Tom Bell. He's entering his 18th season at Sinclair, which is longer than I've been the head coach. You know, he was a hitting coach when I was here. But, you know, Tom played at Old Dominion. His son Tommy actually is their starting shortstop. He'll be junior this year. But um, coach in the Cape, coach in Pro League, just a great baseball guy. And he's been such a big mainstay in our program. I mean, 18 years helping out at junior college is, is awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool too, that we get to have his twin brother on staff as well. Uh, Terry was, uh, actually a first round draft pick made up to the big leagues. He was a Dayton, I believe for like 20 years as a volunteer guy. Wow. And just, um, you know, when the new coaching staff came in, just wasn't a fit for him to stay there and coach Kings. So he ended up coming over here and this will be his third year and just a, a really good catching guy and, and kind of, he was the volunteer coach back in the day. And you know how that's changed tremendously. But back in the day, the volunteer was Terry Bell. It was an ex-big leaguer who has like a Yoda-like presence to him. Mm-hmm. Tons tons of knowledge, just a great dude. And now the volunteer has to do 70 different jobs. And usually he's a younger guy who's all over the place. And so uh, it's been a really nice transition to have Terry in our program. Um, Matt Richter is an uh, assistant coach who played at Arizona, finished up in Cali. Matt built Athletes in Action. So he came over from California, moved from California, Southern California to Zeno, Ohio, which is a very, very difficult move for him. Yeah, yeah. I was just talking to him last, last week. He was out there enjoying the weather. But, um, you know, me and Matt became really good friends. And when they first built the field, it was one of the only turf fields in the area. And so we rented it like everyone else. And then after the 09 season, you know, in the regional final, we knew we had to get something to separate us and, and get to the next level. And Matt and me made this our home field. And he, he worked there for about five, six years, ended up you know, breaking away from athletes in action, but been with us for four years. Then the last you know, coach, Mike Parr, our pitching coach, is one of my best friends and I think one of the best pitching guys in the country. You know, Mike does a tremendous job. Um, he's on campus you know, as much as I am. Other guys kind of come and go in different times, but uh, he does a really good job. And other people... You know, I always say you'd surround yourself with good people. And we have our, our trainer, Spencer Defner, our chaplain, Jared Wellman. We have a sports psychologist and Dr. Mark Humpert, who's a professor, which we'll talk about him probably a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. My AD, Jeff Price, our admin, Kyle Stone, just really good people that we've been able to have in our program. And, you know, our staff identifies good players for our program. We help them prepare, put them in the right situations. And then, you know, the outcomes are the outcomes. So hmm, That's outstanding. Well, I can tell it sounds like a cohesive group. And I'm sure yeah. that bleeds in with the players as well in terms of how you're building them around each other inside the program. Is that right? So, yeah, I mean, our guys, you know, we're, we're very honest and upfront with them. So I yep. think the guys know when they come here that they're always going to be told the truth. There's not going to be any lying to them at all. And when we have X interviews, we usually get like a five out of five for being honest. And some guys even write they're brutally honest. But <laughs> we want guys to understand what their roles are. And it has to be competitive for me, but it has to be realistic. You know, we're not mm-hmm. going to bring in six donkey first basemen and say, figure it out. For us, every spot matters. You know, we bring up 38 to 42 every fall. We turn down some really good players, some good transfers, because we have our guys. And mm-hmm. for us, you know, and everyone does it different. And, and I'm not here to, to rip apart how other people do things. But, 
it does bother me when, when schools are bringing in 50 plus 60 guys. And I, I do think that there's a better way to do things. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you ask those guys that are bringing 55, 60, there, there's no way they can build those relationships with all those guys. And there's no way that they're able to play all those guys or have a chance to really even play in their program. And so, you know, I kind of ask those guys, you know, why do you even start coaching in the first place? And I think that we can do a better job. I mean, I've had some JUCO friends too, like, yeah, we bring in 55, 60, and, you know, some guys don't make it academically, but why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if, if, uh, if for, for us to lose one guy, it makes me upset. I don't want to lose any of these guys. I want to treat them, you know, like a son, and I want to help build them up and give them opportunities to be successful. And some are going to work out, some aren't, but, you know, we're able to really keep our guys and, and our guys know that, you know, they matter to us. And I think another reason why they're successful is everything is earned. You know, they know that if they end up playing in the spring, it's been earned. They've done things the right way. And now they're able to go there and have fun and just play the game. Um, but the roster is always changing, as you know, at our level, junior yeah. college level. We don't get to recruit, you know, six to eight guys in a class. We're recruiting 20 or 30. <laughs> and so, you know, we do spend a lot of time on, on some team chemistry things. Because we have to create a team environment in a short amount of time, whether they're here for a semester, a year, or two years. Um, I think that one thing that we do that has worked really well for us, uh, besides you know stuff like one-on-one player-player meetings, like I remember the Titans deal, you know, community events. But mm-hmm. we have this meeting in January that we call, they call, the players have called the bad teammate meeting. Oh, and that's not really the intention of it. Yeah. But it's become, it's become what it's been about. But so basically, we have this anonymous sheet of paper. And guys will write up a mock lineup, you know, who the best players are, the best position guys, whatever else. It gives us an insight on what the players think. Um, they also answer like foxhole questions and who they trust the most and stuff like that. But the one question that's interesting is, you know, who on the team has a bad attitude toward the team? And so the what I do with that question is it's very interesting. <laughs> we, uh, we end up taking anyone that has like three or more votes or four or more votes and we, and we put them on the board. And we talk about them and it's an open conversation with the players and the team. And, and so it's one thing, you know, if, if Sheets has one vote, you know, one guy might not like him, right? Mm-hmm. Or you might have mm-hmm. done something and, and make him mad. He writes you as a bad teammate. But you have three, four, five votes, 10, 12, 15. It's probably a problem. Yeah, there's man. an issue. And, and so the way it's worked is we'll put up a guy's name on the board. And it happens like this every time. You know, that first person, you know, ask him, why are you on the board? And, and sometimes... You know, they have awareness. Well, this is why I haven't been great in the classroom or I've been lazier in the weight room or, you know, I, I've been a little selfish or they have no idea. Like, I don't understand why I'm on the board. Hmm. And so we try to help them with those things. And each player raises their hand like, you know, I didn't vote for you, but this is probably why. And, and they probably did vote for him, but whatever. <laughs> and so it just but it helps people be aware. And, and sometimes their guys are just misunderstood. You know, they've only been around for four or five months and maybe they're haven't done things with the team. And mm-hmm. those guys end up becoming great teammates. And sometimes it's guys that just need to, you know, look in the mirror and have a reality check. You know, if you're on this board for two years in a row and you haven't made corrections to be a good teammate, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, if you're not, if you're not trying to invest in your teammates and just, you know, be there for them, then it's a problem for me. So just trying to make people aware that how their teammates feel about them a little bit. It's not trying to make them sad about it. It's trying to make them correct it. You know, mm-hmm. again, I, it's just now that you know that maybe you're, you're listed as a bad teammate, how are you going to correct that? And so I think that opens up a lot of things and that's always in January where it kind of gets the thing started and go in the right direction. And you know, I hope that by the end of the year, those guys are bad teammates. You know, everyone says they're good teammates and it happens a lot too. So, yeah. wow. That's, that's a fantastic share right there. I think the, cutting to the core and getting 
probably yourself, but getting those guys comfortable with uncomfortable situations. No question. That it's is a, going to be lead, extremely... Leads right into the mental game. Man. 100%. Perfect. <laughs> and that's where exactly where we're going. You mentioned how yeah. you know the, the conversation with Ken Revisa and, and watching him give that clinic. I have a similar experience. I just had never heard someone address the mental game in the, certainly the way that he did, but it was just the, the dynamic around it and how that would bleed into obviously what you do on a daily basis. I had a conversation with a coach last week, Steve, and we were talking about mental game and, and I said, well, okay, well, sweet man, well, I'm going to pull an Alan Jager here. Where does that show up on your practice plan? He was like, I'm not really <laughs> sure that it does. I go, well, if the game's 90% mental, shouldn't our practice plan reflect that? And you could just see him kind of sit back and, and you could feel it. Um, so mental game approach in your program, what's it look like? Sure. And you mentioned you have a sports psychologist on staff there. Just open that up. It's probably the biggest part of our program. And so we'll read like heads of baseball as a team, heads of baseball 2.0 now, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just trying to teach players to control the controllables and, you know, that their confidence shouldn't come from outcomes. It comes from the preparation. And I think when guys come on campus now, most of them are kind of brainwashed by outcomes. It's just what mm -hmm. they've been used to their whole life. Yeah. And so we have to kind of break them down and teach them these skills, these mental skills that just not only help them in baseball, but in life. And it's not only that we teach them these skills, but we also model it, too, as a staff. I mean, we, we teach them how to play the game one pitch at a time. Mm -hmm. We have a toilet in our dugout. You know, we've had the toilet forever. They flush away the bad results, you know, some from Cal State Fullerton back mm -hmm. in the day. And, you know, for me, I've never been ejected from a game um, in my career. And I have a lot of passion and energy, and I get excited over things, but I know what I can and can't control. Now, yeah. uh, I'm, not, I'm not challenging umpires to, to be the first one to dump me, but, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I model that behavior where, you know, if there's a pitch that's close, we miss it, move on to the next pitch. Mm -hmm. um, one of my good friends, I still remember, we had a regional tournament, and back then we played a regional in Battle Creek, Michigan, which if you haven't been there before, you're, you're not missing much. <laughs> but the dugout was uh, – and, and, I, and I love the guy that coaches up there, so he knows I love him. But uh, the dugouts are like the fans are right there. And so there was a coach basically leaning next to me. He could also Lance Stevenson me and almost almost blow my ear from where he was standing. Yeah. And, and things weren't going our way and some bad calls were going on. And he's like, you know, how do you stay so calm? And I'm like, you know, I, I just know what I can. I can't control. Mm -hmm. And he's like, do you, do you work on that? At practice? I said, yeah, you know, it's, we, it's a lifestyle. We live that lifestyle and we want to teach our guys how to handle those things in adverse situations. So, um, but it's a separator. You know, I, I think that we use a lot of Andy McKay stuff, you know, the good to great mm -hmm. separates guys from good to great. Um, Brian Kane, Springer, one pitch warrior, uh, players journal, you know, it's something that when you come to Sinclair, it's a requirement that you're going to develop mental skills. It's not a recommendation. Um, that we do here. And I think that one thing that separates us too from other schools is having that sports psychologist, Dr. Mark Comfort, a psych teacher on campus, but the way we use uh, Mark um, in our program. And I think that this will spark a lot of interest from people. And I'll, I'll just start you with a starter here. Mm -hmm. I will break it down and it's not ready to send out. Like if you said, this is really cool, I want to learn more about it, I have to actually get it together first. Okay. So it's, a, right. it's a constant changing thing. But let me tell you what Mark and we do with Mark and, um, we do a lot of psychological tests with our guys. So we do a lot of tests as far as anxiety tests, personality tests, just different, uh, you know, grids, concentration grids, mm -hmm. just a bunch of different things. And we have a spreadsheet about like maybe six or seven to eight different tests. And then from there, Mark actually will give me player profiles on each player. And it's un it's incredible. Now, again, mm -hmm. I'm sure most sports psych people can do this or psychology majors because this is their profession, but He'll give me a profile on a guy that he's never really met Sheets, never know who he is, yeah. and it will almost exactly match the kind of person he is. 
like 95 percentile like we'll sit down with the player and talk about this profile and they're like that's me wow like he didn't know you and he just says off the test but it helps us coach them better and it's it, we know how to coach them and, and what to do with them and the example is, you know, is a player a reptile or a rabbit? You know, mm-hmm. our closer this year, um, Jacob Prasowski, who's going to Texas Tech, Jacob will test it as a reptile with ice-cold veins. And Mark was like, you need to put him in tough situations. Well, good, because he's our closer. Yeah, he was 12 for 12 in saves. But he said, this is a guy, and we explained this to Jacob, too, that like he has to be in the situations to thrive and be successful. You know, and one thing he struggled with this year was those midweek opportunities when it wasn't a close game and we had to throw him in front of scouts and stuff. And so he needs to be able to understand that he has to ramp himself up for these things and treat it like that, you know, that conference weekend or that championship game, because if not, he's not going to be as the best player he can be. Wow. Um, so he's a reptile. We have guys that are rabbits and that doesn't mean they can't be the guy in the situation, but they have to understand that their anxiety speeds up a little bit. They, they need to slow the game down. You know, the, the deep breath's going to be a huge tool for them in the mental game and be able to slow things down and break things down and just, you know, be consistent with their routines. And so those guys that are rabbits, you know, I can't go out there and yell at those guys. Um, I can't challenge those guys that just calm them down and be positive. Uh, and so that just really helps us coach guys. I didn't know that even this year, our, our shortstop was a reptile and it was one of those high level reptiles. And mm-hmm. um, I absolutely undressed them in a game, which I don't do to players very often. So from the fan perspective, uh, parents are probably like, this guy's lost his mind. <laughs> like, why is he? But it was the first at bat. He gave away at bat. He was guessing pitches. And I just let into him because I knew I could do that yeah. as a coach. Yeah. And how he responded was like two, three hits afterwards. He was just, he was focused. He was back on track. So but if I didn't know how to do that with different guys, it would be more trial and error, and I probably wouldn't have the same success rate. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, Dr. Mark is, is huge for the program. And our goal in the mental game is just to be consistent. That's always what's going to be. Um, not ride the highs too high or lows too low, just be consistent baseball players. And, and that's what allows us to do. Wow. Okay. A little off, off that subject, but I know it's a question that I want you to get into. When you think about your uh, maybe thoughts around what makes a good coach, what do you think those characteristics are in terms of how you're defining yourself? But certainly when you evaluate other coaches, because you are sending now your children, stepchildren to other <laughs> programs. And so I know you're evaluating the program and the coach. What, what do you think sure. rises to the top in that? Well, I think the first thing is to, to ask the players, you know, mm-hmm. what they think, you know, what, what they think makes up a good coach and then use some of their answers and your experience and then kind of, you know, come up with different things. Yeah. Um, I did this exercise recently where I kind of just said like, what makes a good coach, you know, looking at, you know, myself as a coach and do I consider myself a good coach or just people around you, you know, when you look to hire different people on your staff. But I think the first thing is experiences, you know, whether that's your, your playing career, you know, college, professional baseball, obviously the higher level you've been to usually the, the better playing experience you have, but even the coaching at different levels, you know, who have you coached with, who have you worked with, those kind of things. But experiences will play a key role, and I think um, outcomes on and off the field, I think they have to be a part of it. Um, you know, I <laughs> it's hard for me to say like this guy is a great coach and he mm-hmm. and he hasn't he hasn't won. Mm-hmm. And I know that uh, it's tough to say sometimes. These are good people, a good pe- person, and a good coach are different, but you have to have some kind of positive outcomes while you're doing this. Yeah. You know, because you can't say like, oh, this guy, you know, he's a great realtor, but he doesn't sell any houses. Well, that's the point of yeah. realtors to sell houses. Mm-hmm. They're a great salesman, but he doesn't sell. So like there has to be some kind of outcomes involved and you have to be successful I think, to be a good coach. Um, and the players know that as well. I mean, you have to be a good teacher. The knowledge you know, of, of, of training, the different skills, how you can teach them. 
um, always seeking more information. You know, it goes into being a lifelong learner, but mm-hmm. it can't be just one way or the highway. It has to be something where you're constantly challenging yourself as a coach, and the players will challenge you as well. And ours is always an open book. We talk about hitting all the time. We talk about different ways of doing things, and it's what works for them is what I'm you know, concerned about or what I'm focused on. Mm-hmm. And whether that's their, their personal hitting guru or pitching guru coach, I'm never offended by if someone like, oh, I'm going to work with my, my personal hitting coach. You know, a lot of times we're actually teaching the same things. You know, yeah. Maybe it's just a different way of saying it. But if that helps that kid psychologically or he thinks that's helping him as a player, then go for it. I'm not going to be like, no, this has to be my way. No, it's what works for you, too. Um, and I think the last thing is just being a good communicator. Um, that's such an important part, too. And uh, one of the John Gordon books, I can't remember which one it was. We read a lot of them as a team and, and as a program. But uh, Doc Rivers was quoted in there, you know, as being one of the best player coaches and good communicators. And they asked Doc, like, what he could do to be a better coach. He said, be a better communicator. <laughs> so this guy's already really good at it, and he knows that's the most important thing. And so how we communicate with our players, um, we do tests. We do love language tests with our guys, you know, how, how they receive love, how they give love. Um, just so I know how to, you know, give them love sometime too, because we do love our guys and that's an important thing. But, you know, I want to be as open at, at all times, my guys, you know, with their roles, where they stand, uh, have an open door policy and come in and talk to me about anything. And then this year, just, you know, diving through podcasts and meeting different people, I decided to go back to the old roots of, of meet the parents mm-hmm. and I want to build, I want to have a circle of trust. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's important because trust is always, I mean, we had years where that was like the number one word we came in the program that year. It's all about trust and we got to trust each other, but let's start with the circle now every single year in this program and how you're going to get in the circle. Like I'm already there, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, but how are you going to be honest with me? You know, are you going to do all the workouts? Are you going to be accountable? Are you going to get after it on and off the field? And then if you do, you'll be in that circle of trust. So, um, but just coaches, like I said, there's, there's so many good coaches out there. Um, I know I'm not even close to being the smartest coach. Um, I'm the, the worst player on our staff, you know, uh, (laughs) when it comes down to experiences, but, you know, I, I, I won't be at work. Uh, mm-hmm. My preparation is, is second to none. I'm pretty proud of the, the fact of how much I prepare for, for jobs and, and for challenges and competing against other teams. And so, but those kind of things I look for in coaches. And, and when you find those things, you know, other coaches that you play against or you coach against, you that's when the respect level comes up pretty high. Oh. Like I love, I love playing against the best coaches, the best teams that do it the right way because you know, they mirror kind of what we're doing at Sinclair. Mm-hmm. God, so good. Um, this was one that came up, Dance. And by the way, man, you're killing it. Uh, and I'm, I cannot take enough notes over here. Um, but, but this is one that came up. We were talking through, man, hey, what are some topics maybe you want to bring up? And you, and you wrote down unwritten rules and why oh, you hate gosh. them. So I cannot gosh. wait to tee you up for this. Ooh. Let's roll. All right. Well, yeah, I don't like them at all. So <laughs> obviously, <laughs> um, you know, if they, if they were really important, they'd be written down. Uh-huh. You know, I, I think that the, you know, you don't bunt when you have a big lead, the break up a no hitter, don't steal on a certain amount of runs and, you know, just little things like that. You know, it's, this is a game, you know, and, and, and we're playing a game and, and for us, they're in college and, you know, maybe professional guys as well. Like you're being paid to, to coach this game and to have some outcomes and win some games. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I just I remember early in my career, like maybe the first year we're playing a ranked team. That was a big deal for us. You know, mm-hmm. we weren't even ranked, you know, for a long, long time. And now it's, you know, nine, ten straight years of being nationally ranked. Is, you know, it's, it's from what the guys had done previously. But anyways, we're playing this really good team, and we're up by like six runs and seven runs. And I remember bunting a guy over and not thinking one thing about it because I'm just trying to do what we do and score mm-hmm. runs. Mm-hmm. 
And, and I remember after the game, the coach is like, hey, you know, if I didn't know you, like, you know, I would have took exception to that and just give you a heads up. And I'm like, why? <laughs> like, you know, that's what we do. We're trying to win every inning. And you're one of the best teams in the country. And so you don't know what I have in my bullpen. You don't mm-hmm. know what's going on in my team that day or the confidence I have in my relief pitching. And, you know, I just hate having regrets. I hate when you're in a situation where you stop, you take your foot off the gas, you stop doing things because it's the unwritten rules, and all of a sudden it's a two-run game or a one-run game and things tighten up. Yeah. And then if you lose one of those games, the amount of guilt you feel because you didn't do it the best you could. And so I'm all for just playing the game uh, the 100% the whole way through, whatever you do, do. Um, I remember in the fall, this last fall, we played Wright State. You know, the new NCAA rule allows us to play Division One schools in the fall, which is awesome, by the way. Yeah. You know, for our guys to be able to compete, we played Miami, Wright State, Kent State, NKU last year, learned something from every single program we played. But playing Wright State, Obviously, they're known for a lot of things, but you know, having Matt Rico assistant coach, they're known mm-hmm. for stealing bases. Mm-hmm. And that team was experienced, and you see all the guys in Pro Bowl and drafted and physical. And here we are, a bunch of little freshmen out in the infield. I think we had four freshmen in the infield that day, and they were running all over us. You know, J.D. Orr was putting on a clinic on how to run all over us. <laughs> and, and, and end up being, I think we lost like above 10 or 11 to 1. They scored like 10 in the first two innings. But I remember looking over their dugout and, and Mets was kind of like, maybe the signal, do we stop running? And I'm like, no, like keep this going. And it was a scrimmage, but at the same time, like, no, keep it going. We're going to learn from these things. Like these guys need to learn how to control the running game and how to do it against good teams. And so I never take offense to any of it. You want to steal, you want to do whatever. Um, just play the game. That, mm-hmm. That's my thing. And, and so from people to play against us, I'm not going to think twice about the unwritten rules. I'm just going to play the game out. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just trying to do my job, which is help my guys you know, be in position to win games. So, But yeah, that. no, that def- definitely bothers me a lot when you when you look back. You're like, oh, I shouldn't steal. No, just play the game. Yeah. You know, we're, we're grown-ups. We're grown-ups here. We can do it. So. I love it. I hope that gets a little uh, tasteful discourse <laughs> out there on social media. But I love yeah. it. It's, it's a uh, good conversation to have. Sure, no doubt. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Now, the back half of this, Steve, as you know, tried and true questions that we think lay out exactly how you're engineered, what your makeup might be. And certainly for the guys that are listening, gives them a real insight into that, how they can connect with you. Let's take us through this, man. What's something you've read, watched, or heard recently that really challenged you? Challenge you as a baseball coach, challenge you as a leader, challenge you as a father, doesn't matter. What's something that you would offer? Yeah, I mean, I think that we think we're challenged every day, to be honest. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think the podcast challenged me a lot. You know, when I was going out to Arizona, you know, I usually I'm on the like the lawn mower you. So whenever I'm cutting the grass, <laughs> I'm always doing podcasts. Yeah, I'm not much of an exerciser, but I mean, it's you know, going to Arizona I have a lot of time to dive into some podcasts, even some from January I haven't got into, which is mm-hmm. kind of embarrassing. I apologize, but I think that when I'm listening to those podcasts from some of the best people in the country at these this profession. Um, I'm constantly just taking down notes and thinking about better ways to be a better coach, you know, a mentor or a father. And they're inspiring. You know, at Brian Kane, we do a lot of daily inspiration, intentional inspiration. I'm just really grateful for those podcasts, for what you do, and, and those people. We're constantly being challenged every single day, which is a good thing to grow as coaches and people. That's it. Are you a reader? Are you a conversationalist? Obviously, podcast works. Yeah, uh, I'm more of a listener. Okay. So okay. I, uh, you know, Audible books, you know, I, that's my reading is listening to books on Audible. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, podcasts, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big conversation guy, though. Yep. You know, I did my, my master's program at OU and, and a coaching education program, which um, I don't really need to plug those guys. But what a great program for coaches to really learn about things. I, I really enjoyed that. But it was all online. 
and chat rooms and, and discussion posts. And there's only one weekend where we were together, but I'm more of an in-person guy. If I was taking college classes, I went to online classes if I could just to face-to-face conversations. And that's why I just, you know, being in those situations, like the ABCA, you're able to have all those conversations with people that you might not get to see very often. Yeah. It's such a great time, great experience because you're able to learn so much from different people. Wow, that's really good. Well, you mentioned, again, the best people you've been around. If you can take sure. the qualities of those folks and really boil them up and we've got, you know, honesty, we've got integrity, we've got accountability, whatever those things might be, what do you think the best qualities would be? Well, you know, like I said, all, all those qualities I think are important. I think just being able to, to give back to their people, to be able mm. to be, to grow the game. You know, that's why we're doing these things is you want to grow the game yeah. and make the game better and, yeah. and make us better and make our players better. And, you know, I've had some great mentors that have been around, you know, for me in the, in the Dayton area that really helped me grow as a coach. And I'm very thankful for those guys. Um, but just always trying to get better and improve what we have. So, uh, but those guys, you know, whether it's Rob Cooper or Greg Lovelady, guys that were at Wright State, um, Penn State, and obviously Greg at Central Florida, they're huge parts of my coaching career. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm not in their coaching tree, I mean, I wasn't a player for them or coach of them. They really helped me you know, grow as a coach. And I'm very grateful to be around those type of people. So that's fantastic. Okay. I got some quick hitters here, but definitely want some explanation just to uh, draw them out a little bit. But one thing you need to work on is, Oh, I wish there was only one. I (laughs) I just made, I just, I just took a to-do list of 40 pages and made it one page. So that's (laughs) a positive. There you go. But um, I think the one thing that I honestly need to work on is, is my health. Okay. Um, you know, I need, I need to be healthier. I need to take more time for myself and, and make sure that I'm, you know, giving my best self the best chance to be in this earth for a while, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a father, as, as a husband, you know, we talk about like the K minus A equals nothing. Knowledge minus action equals nothing. Some Brian Kaneism there, but mm-hmm. you know, I know what it takes to be healthier and I know what I need to do, you know, to keep my health better. And, and I choose not to a lot of times and just do different things. Like, you know, stick to baseball, do different things. And so I think taking time as all coaches, we need to take some time for ourselves. We need to be able to, you know, make sure that physically we're able to do these things and, and make sure we can do this for a long time. But personal health is a huge thing for me. And, and that's kind of something I want to really take control over this year at Sinclair to make sure that I'm a healthier version of myself. I'll know more next week as I get my routine physical. There you go. See exactly what I need to work on. But I know that that's something that I need to do better job of and there's a lot of coaches that way too that just get so caught up in their profession that just kind of skip themselves i guess you'd say that's it well if if the health really starts taking a positive turn do you think that you'll wear maybe those reds throwback shoonies yeah uh, the sleeveless yeah things? yeah those are pretty sharp so i know <laughs> twitter is debated and some guys don't like it i know every player loves it so that's always the thing is like what i like versus what players like are completely different sometimes yeah. but um yeah i, I think it'll, it will take a long time for me to wear sleeveless shirts again <laughs> um but no you know it's something where you know i do need to to, to change some things and, and just model it better mm-hmm. you know that's that's we talked about that earlier about yeah. modeling for your players and, yeah. and being a positive role model and i just I think we do that. I do that as a, as a family man and, and with the way I treat my wife and just treat people with respect. And, you know, I want them to be able to see those things that I do and, and just follow suit. That's it. The key to success is? Uh, the key to success would be, I think, to have a balance mm. um, in work life and personal life. Which, as you know, is not easy to do. It's not. Um, I don't remember which speaker it was, which coach it was, but something that hit home a long time ago was someone spoke about uh, no success in the field is worth failure at home. 
Mm. And it's so true. And, and for me, my wife is, she's my rock. I love her. She supports me and my professional career as I support hers as a teacher. And we're never going to be the wealthiest family um, and, and live extravagant life. But, you know, we do have a lot of things we're very uh, proud of and happy. And, and even our family grows every year. You know, I always tell guys that regardless of what you do on the field, for me, if you work hard and commit to this program out of the field, you're part of our family forever. And my wife kind of adopts that as well, knowing that, yes, we only have one child, Harper, two and a half, mm-hmm. but we have many children um, that come back and are a part of our lives. And um, that's what's important. That's fantastic. Uh, the, in the end, when our careers are over, Dents, it's all about? It's all about the relationships. I love it. And that's not even a debate for me. That's why I got into coaching. Yep. You know, I, I Jackie Robinson, a big Jackie Robinson guy. I've mm-hmm. said this before in different places, but I moved across the country, West Coast, Midwest, um, I, everywhere when I'm growing up. And I think I did like 20 Jackie Robinson book reports. <laughs> and so, like, I would dress up as Jackie Robinson every stop along the way. Wow. It was almost like a joke in our family. But <laughs> the old quote that a life is is not important except the impact it has on our lives yes. is, is why I coach and. You know, while my guys are here in our program, you know, I'm not trying to be their friend. You know, mm-hmm. I want them to know I care about them and I love them and I do anything for them. But if we end up being friends in the end, that's great. That's not the goal. You know, my goal is to, to help them become better people, to prepare them for the next step of their life. Um, you know, I have the old Yoda quote is we are what they grow beyond. So, you know, it's just, that's, that's what it is for me. I want these guys to be better than, than we were and, and learn from what they had here and have a great experience. That's the most important thing is have a good experience, whether they played a lot or not, they know that we care about them. And that's why we have a lot of success as far as even those exit interviews this year, we had 21 graduates and, you know, not one of them was negative, which is pretty cool to have. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, it's going to be a great podcast when you get a yoga reference. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, Yoda's the man. I'm a big Yoda guy. <laughs> love it. Uh, all right. So back to Yoda, what's the best advice you've been given? And then what other advice do you have? What, what else might be lingering out there for you? Sure. Uh, there's always good answers when you ask this question. Mm-hmm. I love listening to this question mm-hmm. of different guys. And, and I was thinking about it a little bit and I didn't want to play the repeater. So, uh, <laughs> be where your feet are. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. And, and so I thought about this a little bit, like I was, when I was little, my parents sent me to a baseball camp and the camp was Ron Hunt baseball camp. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the first mention of Ron Hunt in this it podcast? It is, 1,000%. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. So everyone Google Ron Hunt. So professional baseball <laughs> player. He was known for wearing pitches, uh, held down MLB record for years. And that's not what the camp was about. I mean, we could just went there for two hours and hit each other, <laughs> sure. but that wasn't it. Uh, but he was just good instruction and just attention to detail. And um, he said something at that camp, and, and I was really young too, but it was, you know, always try to take something for everyone you meet in this game. You know, and, and, and that's something that I just took in with everywhere I go. There might be guys, I'm like, this guy doesn't know anything, but the way he teaches, this is important. Or this guy is, doesn't, but this is what sets him apart or whatever it is. So I always try to find something in every single person I met and try to take it and make it my own and see if it works for my program or not. Hmm. But I think when you do that, you know, you're able to, to kind of shape what you are as a coach. But yeah, Ron Hunt was, was a big part of that for me, just saying those things. And I think that I've always tried to look for the good in people and find different things. So. Wow. Okay. So last question here before we send you off is where can people connect with you? Give us the handles, the email, all that stuff to, to get in touch with you. Sure. Well, uh, SinclairAthletics.com. Excuse me. I almost fell again. Uh, my email address is on there. You can contact me by email. Uh, Coach Dents with a Z41 on Twitter. 
Um, I'm always open and available to help out everybody I can. You know, again, if I have anything to bring to the table at all, hopefully, like you know, Ron Hunt said, there was something in this podcast that you found uh, valuable for you. Like I said, I'm not claiming to be the expert of anything. That's why I have a hard time, you know, maybe speaking at different clinics and, and dialing on something because I feel like people do things way better than me. But at the same time, if there's anything I can help you with, let me know. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I do want to thank you, uh, Sheets, you sure. know, just for what you do for this game and. I thought about this too before I came on this podcast because you know I had a lot of prep time here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it's one of those things that is, it's really cool. I think about you is how you're able to connect everybody, um, whether that's youth, high school, college, pro. You know, it's like you're a teacher that has a different handshake for every student. You know, every single person that <laughs> is, is, that. A, is a friend. Well, yeah, it's it's yeah. awesome. It's it's every every person you run into is a friend. When you work on that convention, you know, everyone feels a connection to you, and and it's just a, it's you're the right person for the job and. I'll tell you a text I got two nights ago that I think that you'll love mm. because you're a huge part of this is from a coach that sent me a text. He said, this is my 38th year of coaching and I've learned more in the last four years than my previous 34. Wow. I mean, that's incredible. And it's because of what you and other people have done to grow this game um, with the ABCA and, and just trying to get guys to grow as better coaches and stuff. So I'm um, very appreciative for for you, the ABCA, and everyone involved because it's it's such a tremendous organization. And um, yeah, people want to connect with me. I'm always open. Well, it sounds like we should go to a Dave concert together again. We should. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> once once our kids get a little older and we have some, we have some money, we can definitely meet up. Yeah, I'll get, I'll get some warehouse tickets. We'll be yes. back in the pit in no time. Yes. Oh boy. So. One of these days. Uh, hey, first and foremost, cannot thank you enough for for the high nod. It, it is uh, something special we have here. I think we've we've really turned the corner. Not only as association, but you know, the, a lot of the feedback that comes back is the community at large. The 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 overriding feeling of momentum inside of youth and high school and travel and college baseball and and the guys that are lifelong learners i think they gravitate towards that and uh you know we're rolling downhill my man again it's only going to keep getting bigger and better as we head into nashville but steve i cannot thank you enough for jumping on here you have done fantastic things at sinclair and you will continue to do so and you know you've got a huge fan here in the national office so appreciate you jumping on with us my man best of luck this year and we look forward to seeing you in nashville awesome looking forward to it thanks for having me Coaches, thanks again for checking out our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast and another one of our Dugout Chatter episodes. Here at the American Baseball Coaches Association, our mission is to serve coaches around the world. So please let us know how we can help you out. Head over to our website, abca.org. If you're looking for more information about our baseball coaching fraternity, you could also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Find us at ABCA1945. You want to reach out to me directly? I'd love to hear from you. You can do that on Twitter and Instagram at CoachSheets3 or shoot me an email at Sheets, S H E E T S, at ABCA.org. We would love to hear from our loyal members. We'd even love to hear from some new ones as we continue to find new ways to work together at growing the game of baseball. Huge thanks to the sponsor of these Dugout Chatter episodes, our longtime partners over at Rawlings. So if you want more information about what they're doing for baseball and this association, head over to their website, Rawlings.com. That's Rawlings, R-A-W-L-I-N-G-S.com. And thanks again for your support of this podcast. As always, thanks for listening in and staying dialed into our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. Until next week, we ask you to keep growing, you keep developing, you keep challenging yourself inside this game. We wish you and your club the very best, and thank you 
for what you're doing for the game of baseball. 